Welcome to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Dr. Rutland is a world-renowned leadership expert. He is a New York Times best-selling author, and he has served as the president of two universities. The Leader's Notebook is brought to you by Global Servants. For more information about Global Servants, please visit our website, globalservants.org. Here is your host, Dr. Mark Rutland. I'd like to know if there are any other pastors, preacher, evangelists, anyone in the house that's preached before. I know my wife Allison is here, who's a wonderful preacher. If you've preached before, would you please stand wherever you are? Anyone that's ever preached? Good. Wonderful. I wanted you to applaud for them. I wanted you to applaud for them, but I also just wanted to say to them, they're going to know what I'm talking about next. Have you ever had a sermon that just flowed? It was just so wonderful. Isn't that a great feeling? Have you ever had another one that all week is just like being locked in a closet with a bear? Anybody does anybody know what I'm talking about? Thank God, because this is it. I've even, I've, I announced the title of this sermon tonight three weeks ago. Mark that off. I was going to name it, I was going to name it a new now. We're going to change it to but now. But now. This week, in preparation for this message, I have encountered, now I don't mean, I don't want to sound like some kind of horrible thing. Our house didn't burn down or something. It's nothing bad, not even anything bad. It was just distractions. Does anybody know what I mean? Everybody that I've ever known in the world called me this week. No, I mean people that from, you know, they say, hey, Mark, I went to you the third grade with you. Do you remember me? It's just everything. I mean anything that could happen, even good things, even good things, great things. Great. We got wonderful news in our family this year, this week. Wonderful things. But, uh, you know, you have to deal with that. You have to process. And all the time, this sermon, this sermon I just kept saying, Lord, I know it's in there. <laughs> but that was this week. But now comes the sermon. Turn to your neighbor and say, but now we're ready to go. All right. Isaiah chapter 42 If you have your Bible, if you will take it and turn to Isaiah chapter 42, I'm going to begin reading and I'm going to read some selected passages. As I skip, I'll call that out so you can follow me. I'll be reading from KJV tonight. Isaiah chapter 42, behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He shall not cry nor lift up nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth justice in truth. He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he have set justice in the earth and the coasts shall wait for his law. Thus saith God, the Lord. He who created the heavens and stretched them out, he who spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it, he who giveth breath unto the people upon it and spirit to them that walk in it. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness. 
and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people and for a light of the Gentiles to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from prison and those who sit in darkness out of the prison house. Verse 22. But this, but this is a people robbed and spoiled. They're all of them snared in holes and they are hidden in prison houses. They are for a prey and none delivereth for a spoil and none saith restore or restore them. Who among you will give ear to this? Who will hearken and hear for the time to come? Who gave Jacob for a spoil and Israel to the robbers? Did not the Lord he against whom we have sinned? For they would not walk in his ways, neither were they obedient unto his law. Therefore he hath poured upon him the fury of his anger and the strength of the battle, and it hath set him on fire round about him. Yet he knew not, and it burned him not, and it burned him, yet he laid it not to heart. Chapter 43. But now, but now, thus saith the Lord, who created thee, O Jacob, and he who formed thee, O Israel, fear not. For I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. And when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Verse 18. Remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beast of the field shall honor me and the jackals and the ostriches because I give water in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people have I formed for myself and they shall show forth my praise. Now, I just want to give you three parts of this before we pray. Look at this. Verse 22, but, but this is a people robbed. Chapter 43, verse 1, but now thus saith the Lord who created thee. And verse 18, remember not the former things, neither consider things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Put your hands on your Bible. Heavenly Father, we pray that somehow through the weakness and frailty of both speaker and listener, that you will speak to us in the inner person of every listener. Lord, that we will hear from you and having heard, be transformed. Save us and we shall be saved. Heal us and we shall be healed. Lord, I pray that when we walk out of here tonight, we will say one to another, now surely the Lord hath spoken unto us. I believe you for it. I thank you for it in advance. In the wonderful name, Jesus. Amen. Now can be used in a multiplicity of ways. Now, this exact moment, it cannot... We cannot experience now totally because it is so fleeting. So we say, I, I can experience now. Now it's gone. Now it's a new now. Is it now? That was then. 
Think now is now. Right this moment is now. Now it's not. <laughs> we can take now at a broader range, as in nowadays, this time, this current condition. We can take it at a parenthesis of time, as in that time that was kind of just before this exact now and kind of just a little bit after this exact now. As in, you've said this, just now I remembered I was supposed to tell you, they don't mean just now, they mean in this general parenthesis of time. Now, we love the house that we live in. It doesn't mean this exact moment we love the house, and in the next moment we won't. It means now at this season of life. Sometimes now is used as an occasionalism, contrasting one now with other nows. As in, now and then, in fact, in English, what does that sentence even, what does that phrase even mean? Now and then. What we mean is occasionally. But if it's now, is it then? And if it's then, when was it ever now? Or we can speak of, of it outside of a specificity of time. As in a way of saying, hold on there. Or some immediacy of response. Here's how that sounds. Now listen to this. Now hold on right there. Or parents will understand this. Now behave yourselves. When we say now behave yourself, does it mean now behave yourself, but in a few minutes do anything you want? <laughs> but when we use the word now in connection with the conjunction, but, it now becomes almost a fulcrum. But now means something went before it and something changed has come after it. This is what things were. This is what it looked like. This is what it was. But now, in, in the book of Isaiah, one of the most powerful verses in the whole Bible is Isaiah 43, verse 1. He says, this is how you've lived. This is what has happened to you. This is how you've been punished. This is what you've endured. This is all the brokenness that you've experienced. This is what's happened. But now, saith the Lord, everything is going to change. But now becomes a fulcrum, a cause which effectuates a new now as opposed to the past now. The problem is we cannot, now cannot exist fully free of the past without that fulcrum. Our condition, our current psychological, emotional, physical, and spiritual condition, our current reality, this now, is for almost all of us to one extent or another connected to our past. The damaged life, the wounded soul, Someone that I love and care about a great deal said to me one time, 
in a difficult season in my own life. He said, you know, every single one of us are trying to be delivered of something. Every single one of us are trying to overcome something. Every single one of us are trying to forget and get past something. That's a, that's a, that's a pretty shocking statement. But if it's true, and I believe it is true, then it means that to some extent or another, the damage in my life is something that I'm dealing with and can deal with in the power of God. There are three realities of this damage. The first is the, the child within me, damaged by others. I believe that there are people in this room. Indeed, I am willing to stake everything I believe professionally and historically and observationally upon this statement, that there are people in this room to whom ungodly, unforgivable, terrible things happened as a child. That doesn't just dissolve. That doesn't just melt away. That, that damaged, wounded child is within. And then there is the second of this reality. And that is the, the messed up life I've made for myself. There's one thing what other people did to me when I was defenseless or innocent or, or unprepared. But those things which I have caused myself, that's what, that's what God is dealing with here in the 42nd chapter of Isaiah. He says, you've disobeyed me. You've lived in sin. You've, you've done all these things. That's the reason you're burned over. You know, our, our theology of grace in the contemporary Christian church is so strong. And, and yes, it should be. I'm not trying to back away from that at all. I don't know that you'll find very many preachers that have preached more often on grace than I. But I do want to also say to you that it is not beyond God to see us in our misbehaviors and give us a whooping. I don't know. Some of you may have grown up in tidier, you know, a little more upscale homes than I did. How many had spankings? Spankings. How many had whoopings? That's what I'm talking about. I was raised by a paratrooper. You got, you got spanked? My daddy whooped me. Now, I, I just want to say to you that this is not something we don't talk about this much. We don't want to, we don't like to talk it. It isn't tidy. It doesn't really fit in the prevailing atmosphere of grace in the, in the modern church. But, but I do want to say to you that you can step over a line where God will say, I'm facing a whoop you. Now you, you haven't been whooped till you've been whooped by God. It doesn't mean God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean he doesn't care about you. It does mean that he can allow us to experience the grief and tragedy which we bring upon ourselves. Sometimes he will protect us. Sometimes he'll shield us. Sometimes he says, mm -mm, boy, you're on your own. You, you jerk this roof down on your own head. And, and he'll, and he'll grieve with us. He'll grieve with us. How many of you have ever had a child that you love and care about? 
holding your hand, a child, grandchild, whatever, and you're crossing a busy parking lot and jerk their hand out of yours and run. When you get them, you understand what? Man, that car didn't kill you, but Papa's going to. <laughs> because there's nothing, there's nothing in the world that will make you spank a child like him scaring you. The daddy loves you. <laughs> Scare the wits out of me. If you're going to run in front of a car, make it an Audi. Don't run in front of that beat up Chevrolet. What's the matter with you? So God, God can allow us to experience. He, he can say to us, I love you. I care about you. You ran in front of that car. You ran in front of that car. The third, the first is the wounded child within me damaged by others. The second is the messed up life I make of myself. And the third is the damage that I've done in the lives around me. The first is my broken, wounded child. The second is my broken, wounded life. The third is my broken, wounded relationships. Look at the nature of the damaged life in Isaiah chapter 42. It's a pretty, it's a pretty strong diagnosis. Starting with verse 22. Look at this. These people are robbed and spoiled. They are snared in holes. They're hidden in prison houses. Therefore, prey, that is to say, they're victimized. No, nobody will take care of them. Nobody says restore them. That's some pretty strong language. There are people that, that will stand aside and, and watch the damage done in our lives and not lift a, not lift a finger to help. Indeed, I need to say this to you. There are people who don't want us healed. They don't want us restored. They don't want to see us renewed. They want to see the damage engulf us. Somehow or another, it makes them, I don't know what, feel better about themselves. Oh, well, look at that guy sinking in the quicksand. Somebody throw him a rope. No, no, let him sink. I may be bad, but I'm not in the quicksand. It gives them a, a standard of, of comparison. There is something in us, some sinful, bent thing in us that takes some kind of a salacious delight in watching somebody else sink in his own sins. Robbed and spoiled having lost the good things which God gave for us, the hope, the energy, vitality drained, joy gone, relationships broken, innocence wounded, snared in holes, hidden, I like that phrase, hidden in prisons. And I have a good friend who has a prison record, and he said when he was sent to prison, his father came to visit him in prison. His father had lived a very rough life. His father came to visit him in prison. And his father said to him, when I was in my 20s, I worked on a construction crew. And we built this prison. There's more than one of us in this house tonight that are living in prisons our fathers built. That are hidden inside the walls of damage done by those in, that have inflicted themselves upon us. Why? Why does it happen? One reason we said is sin. 
disobedient to the laws of life. You can deny the effect of gravity, leap off a top building, and you can say you don't believe in gravity all the way to the sidewalk. <laughs> life can convince you otherwise. Sometimes it's others. Sometimes the woundedness in our lives is not actually sin or anybody else's sin specifically. It's because we live in a fallen universe. Circumstances, history. Today, a crazy gunman, a terrorist, shot down a Canadian soldier at their monument for soldiers, killed one of the soldiers guarding it, charged toward the parliament, shooting a Mountie, busted a cap in him and shot him dead. All of that. All of that, who, somebody standing around, that soldier standing there, who, who did that? That's history. That's life. We live in this world. Difficulties, hardships, things happen. Sometimes it can be chemistry. You know, things can just go haywire inside of us. We have to deal with physical realities. The warfare of the world. How do we deal with it? When we come to face, this is where I am. This is the, this is the damage inside of me. This is the, this is the things that were done to me. This is the things I've done. This is how I've hurt others. This is the, the burned over character. My life looks a lot like Isaiah chapter 42 in one way or another. What do I, what do I do? First of all, what do I not do? Listen to what I'm going to tell you, those of you with things in your past. Suppression is not healing. Repression is not healing. You can push that memory down. You can smother it. You can wall it off. You can, you can seal it up like the cask of Amontillado. You can wall it up. And it can be there behind that wall for decades. Decades. And it can fester and pour out poison oozing underneath the threshold. Infecting your life and causing you to infect the lives of others until you have actually forgotten what's behind the wall. You have actually put it so far away from you that you no longer even remember it. But the effect of it, the outward, the poison of it, the depression of it, the self-loathing of it, the anger of it. We can even begin to try, listen to this, we can begin to try to use anger as medicine for the poison. The poison hurts me so bad that I can't stand the pain. But when I allow myself to live in anger, I hide from the poison. It becomes a drug of choice. There are many, many violent young boys who live in absolute violence who are using their own anger in order to detox themselves from the wooden molest from the hidden molestation that happened to them as little boys if i will just be violent enough if i will just be angry enough if i will just be something enough i can i can hide from that pain that that poison will not reach me anger is not medicine for the hidden poison in your life Suppression will not work. Repression will not work. 
Whatever is within me not dealt with, not brought to the surface, not looked at. That's the reason. Isaiah, the prophet, doesn't say, well, you were, you're pretty good. You know, everything was all right. He says this was a people robbed, spoiled, burnt over, hurt, wounded, damaged. When we can bring that to the surface, sometimes, sometimes in the church, we are so afraid to express any level of hurt, any level of damage, any level of, of depression or fear or loneliness or anything else, because somehow it doesn't seem, I don't know, somebody's, we're so afraid, I think. And somebody will say, you don't, don't have any victory. Don't you love God? What's the matter with you? But, but by bringing that to the surface, by saying, look, I've, I've hurt myself. I've damaged myself. I hurt somebody I love. I hurt somebody I care about. I'm struggling with some things. Stuff happened to me. I'm now, only now, at a place where it can be dealt with as long as it's hidden Underneath the surface, behind the wall, somewhere oozing toxic poison into my life. I cannot really deal with it. I just keep simply treating the poison. And the problem is that I'll treat it wrongly. I'll self-medicate with the wrong things. Whether it's anger or lust or cocaine, self-medication never deals with the hidden wound behind the wall. So Isaiah says... This is who these people are. But, but now, thus saith the Lord. It's, I'm not leaving you there. I'm not, I'm not abandoning you there. If everybody else in the world abandons you there, I'm not leaving you there. That's where you were. That's what happened to you. That's what you did. That's what you believed. That's how you failed. That's how you fell. But now, but now, thus saith the Lord, I'm about to change everything. I'm about to change everything. So we bring those things to the surface, and then where do we rest them? We rest them on the fulcrum of Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1. We can say that was then. We don't have to live in denial. Denial is not faith. Did this happen? No, 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 it didn't happen. It was just a bad dream. It happened. It was real. It was a tragedy. It was hurtful. It was painful. Did you sin? I sinned. Did you fall? I fell. Did you hurt other people? I hurt other people. What do you have to say to that? That was then. But now, but now I'm resting this whole thing on the fulcrum of God's word. But now is a conjunction that connects a former reality with a new reality. And that new reality is the work of God's almighty grace. Listen, listen to what he says. Declare the past past. Remember not the former things. I'm not saying bury them. I'm not saying suppress them, repress them, bring them to the surface, stare at them, call them what they were. I, I, I know there are psychologists and counselors in the office, in the uh, audience tonight, and you know what exactly what I'm saying. Sometimes one of the most horrible and most painful things is to go through the process of just telling yourself the truth. This is what happened. 
This is exactly what happened, and this is what it's called. And it can, it can rip, it can rip your skin off. You think you're being burned alive when you come to that place where you say, this, this is the reality. And then you come to that place where you say, now what do I do with this? And Isaiah 43 says, but thus saith the Lord, but now, but now I'm going to deal with that. Confess it, bring it to the surface, deal with it, and then lay it on the fulcrum of God's active grace. That has happened. We have to come to a place. Paul said, this one thing I do, this one thing I do, leaving those things behind. There has to come a place where we divest ourselves, where we pull them off of us, carve them off like barnacles off of the hull of a ship, and we say, yes, they're real. Yes, they were a part of me. Yes, they affected me to one extent or another. I may all my life somehow or another still have to deal with those things. But I declare them past. I declare them past. It's a phrase we say all the time. I hear it all the time. The past is the past. Is it? I mean, that's a decision you have to make. That's a decision you have to make. The past is the past. Is it in your past? It's in my past. But it is past. It is past. It's over. It's finished. Did it happen to me? It happened. I'm through lying to myself or suppressing it or repressing it. It happened. It happened. And I know exactly what it's called. And I can say it. I can say it. And then I can say, I will not go on my whole life living in memories of those things which are past. Because that's what God said. Remember not the former things. There has to come a moment, a fulcrum, a place to stand, a place to rest, where I say, I'm not going to live my life looking over my shoulder, looking back at those things, looking back at those failures. There's somebody in this house tonight, I, I know it as well as I'm standing here, that you, you have done something, fallen, failed, something, and you just think there's no way up, there's no way out. There's not if you live there. But if you will confess it, deal with it, look at it, and then rest it on this fulcrum, but now, but now, I'm not going to live looking back, but now is a new now. But now's a new direction. This is a new step. The second thing is, what is the doorway into that new now? This, this is so important. My faith rests not on my faith. Not even on my decision. But my decision rests on the grace and the decision of God. God has decided. That's the only thing that makes my decision worth anything. You say, you know, you need to decide for God. That's okay. That's okay. But the more important thing is God has decided for you. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Everything rests. If you rest everything in your life, all of your hope for the future on your own decision-making process, if you rest it all on your own will, on your own strength, I'm going to change this. I'm going to alter this. The whole thing rests on what God has done, not what you do. 
The whole thing rests on, not on your decision to be good, but on the fact that God is good. That's, that's the whole, the whole point of the fulcrum. But God, not but you. If you make that next part you, yes, that's what I was. Yes, that's what happened. That's how I failed. That's how I sinned. That's what happened to me. But I, no. Were you like this? Yes, but now I, no. Was this true? Was this real? Yes, it was. But now God, but now God, but now, look at what it says. But now, thus saith the Lord who created thee. That's the, that's the splendor of the doorway in. The sacrificial work of the Lord Jesus Christ, when we turn on that fulcrum and say, but now, I step in under the blood of Jesus. I believe that God takes those things. Yes, my past is my past. Yes, it was there. Yes, it was real. Yes, if I sit staring at it, I'll go blind. But I instead turn to stare into the goodness of the grace of Almighty God. My only hope is not my decision. It is but now. Thus saith the Lord. But now, thus saith the Lord. I plead the blood of Jesus, and I believe that he, he buries my sins in the sea of his forgetfulness. Dr. M.G. McLuhan used to say, he buries our sins in the sea of his forgetfulness and then posts a sign, no fishing allowed. There is something in us. I don't know what this twisted wrong thing is, but there is something that having received that, stepped onto the, but now God says, receive the blood, walk under the blood. There is something in us that tends to want to reach back. I don't know if it's some mistaken guilt or whatever it is, but there's something that tends to want to reach back over and get those things. Jesus said it this way. He said, anybody that puts his hand to the plow and looks behind him can never go on in the kingdom. It's not not going to be a worthy plowman. It's never going to be fit for the task. We have to rest those things. Yes, they were real. Yes, that's what happened. But now, I'm looking forward. I've got my hands to the plow. I'm going straight up. What What is the... The change. Listen to the list and listen to the answer. This is what you've got to learn to say. Don't don't be squeamish with the devil. You plead with the devil to leave you alone. He says, you did this. Didn't you do this sin? Weren't you immoral? Didn't you lie? Didn't you do this? Don't, please, don't don't bring that up. Don't, Don't bring that up. Come on. Help a brother out. Come on. You think for one moment, you think for one moment the devil will let up on you because you're wounded? He wants to rip your throat out. So what you got to do, Jesus said, what? Agree with your adversary. Were you like this? Yes, I was. (laughs) You were? Yes. Oh, listen, devil, I did some stuff you didn't see. (laughs) Well, what do you have to say to that? Two words, but now... But now, so listen, listen to, 
to the documentation of the pathology of Isaiah chapter 42 and learn to say the answer. Slavery, but now I'm redeemed. Alone and lonely, but now I'm called, chosen and selected. Apart from God, but now I am known by my name. I was on my own, living alone without God and without help. But now God says, I will be with you. I was drowning, but now the river will not overthrow, overwhelm me. I was scorched, but now I will not be burned. I was useless trash, but now I am precious. I was full of guilt and shame, unable to approach the throne of grace, but now I am beloved and I'm invited to boldly come before the throne of grace. I was far away, but now I'm returned. My life seemed pointless, but now I know I'm created for glory. I was blind, but now I can see. I was deaf, but now I hear his voice who says to me in the early morning, come away, my love, my fair one. I was confused, but now I'm a witness of his truth. That, that I, I believe that there is tremendous victory in understanding how to deal with our past. Denial will cure nothing. Suppression and repression not only will not deal with it, it will make it worse eventually because that will surface. That will surface a year, two years, five years, 10 years, two decades, 30 years. It'll surface. Sooner or later, that nasty stuff works its way to the top. Anger is not sufficient self-medication. You can't make yourself angry enough or violent enough to get away from your feelings of unworthiness. You can't self-medicate with anything. You face it. You look at it. You deal with it. Are these things true? You look at them. Bring them right up in the surface. What Satan wants is for you to hide them, push them down, feel ashamed of them. Let them lurk in the darkness to spring out and, and rip your throat. What he hates is light. He wants, God wants you to bring those things into the light. Were they ever true? Yes, they were true. Did that ever happen? It happened. Am I remorseful, regretful, sorry, repentant? Yes. That really doesn't change anything. But now, thus saith the Lord, I know you. I choose you, I call you, I redeem you, I love you, I died for you, I wash you in my blood. But now is a whole new now, a whole new thing. Now take it to a little freer and sweeter level. It's not simply about those with some horrible wounded past. It is every single one of us in this place has been at one place or another where we need to move further. Has your prayer life been stagnant? Has your fear level been too high? Has your anxiety level been unrepresentative of a child of peace? 
Is there some unforgiveness, some bitterness? I'm not talking about simply those here that have struggled with cocaine addiction and child molestation. But simply those who have said, my recent past is, if I really look at it, this hadn't been working all that great. But now, but now, this said the Lord, I'm moving on. I'm turning the corner. I'm forgetting those things which were past. But now I have a new day. Now I have a new life. This is a new morning. This is a new start. Because the Lord said so. That's, that's the secret of every victory in our lives. We become so morbid, introspective, and self-conscious. I have decided. I have believed. I have determined. But the greater part is, but now, thus saith the Lord. Listen to, listen to Dr. Newton's hymn. You know it. Amazing Grace. Listen, listen to this. He doesn't say, I once was lost. I once was lost, but I've decided to be found. He says, grace found me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Somebody else found me. I didn't decide to be found. I once was lost, but now. He uses that phrase, but now I'm found. I was blind. There were people, there are people in this room, there are people watching on the internet. So, did you remember before you got saved? You, it was, I'm the only one to look at the Bible and say, this makes no sense. I've had people with PhDs read John 3.16 and say, well, I don't understand that at all. Of course not. They're blind. They're blind. I once was blind, but now I see. Amen? This is the moment. This is the but now moment for somebody in this house to say, the past is the past. I'm not going to live remembering the former things. I have heard God say, this is the moment. Rest all that on the fulcrum of my goodness. For thus saith the Lord, but now I will give you a new life. You've been listening to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review today's podcast. You can follow Dr. Rutland on Twitter at Dr. Mark Rutland or visit his website, drmarkrutland.com. Join us next week for another episode of The Leader's Notebook.